Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do a great job. Give them a call and visit the website johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples magazine. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have great guests for today's show, including our state senator, Kathleen Pasadomo. We'll find out what's new with Boo, Boo Mortensen up in Madison, Wisconsin. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. Seton will be joining us, as well as my wife, Linda, who writes uh, greetings from paradise. It is September the 28th, and on this day in 1960 at Boston's Fenway Park, Red Sox star Ted Williams hit a home run in his last at-bat of his 21-year glorious career. He once said it was his goal in life to walk down the street and have folks say, there goes the greatest hitter who ever lived. Well, he succeeded. Williams led the American League in batting average six times, home runs four times, runs batted in four times. He was one of only two men ever to win baseball's triple crown twice, leading the lead in home runs, runs batted in, and batting average in 1942 and again in 1947. Perhaps most impressively, however, he hit 406 in 1941. Also on September the 28th, he was the last man to ever hit 400. He accomplished more than that, missing three seasons to fly combat missions in the Navy during World War II and parts of two or more at the Marine as a Marine during the Korean War. Again to fly, this time with John Glenn as his wingman. Williams was uh, also later molded himself into a world-class fly fisherman, widely respected and accomplished with the real. In spite of his brilliance at the plate, Williams had a contemptuous relationship with Red Sox fans and the media. To his frustration, his every move, both on and off the field, were reported in the newspapers. After being booed by Fenway faithful early in his career, he swore never to tip his cap to the Boston fans again. In spite of the many spectacular home runs and clutch hits in his career, he never did it. He hit uh, 254 with a bad back in 1959. Red Sox management urged Williams to retire. Too proud to hang it up after less than a stellar season, he returned in 1960 at 42 years old and hit 316 for the year with 29 home runs. In the eighth inning of his final game at Fenway, in front of nearly an empty house, Williams pulled a 1-1 pitch from the Baltimore Orioles pitcher Jack Fisher, who was a good pitcher, into the Boston bullpen. After rounding the bases, he once again stubbornly refused to take off his hat to acknowledge his cheering fans. Greatest hitter of all time, Ted Williams. Still have that red seat out there in Fenway Park where he hit that longest home run he ever hit. Maybe the longest ever hit in Fenway Park. And uh, his son actually had his head frozen. Uh, <laughs> just a lot of weird stuff about Ted Williams. What a great hitter he was. Well, Collier County reported fewer coronavirus cases in the week ending Sunday, ending, adding 1,178 cases. That's more than 11% fewer than a week earlier when it reported 1,331 cases. Throughout the pandemic, Collier County has reported 56,489 cases. Overall, Florida reported 54,000 new cases, down nearly 29% from the previous week's tally of 75,000, almost 76,000. Florida ranked 28th among the states 
uh, where coronavirus was spreading the fastest on a per-person basis and all this uh, scorekeeping really doesn't make any sense at all. But anyhow, Florida had 6.46 of the county's cases uh, in uh, the last week. According to the county, 10 states had more cases in the last week than they did in the week before. Anyhow, it's good to see uh, everything's moving in the right direction with regard to coronavirus. Now, the NCH healthcare system is resuming elective surgery. I think we said that yesterday. Uh, Yesterday, they started that. In addition, the hospital system in Cuyahoga County is allowing limited patient visitation. That's all good news. Both moves are due to declining COVID-19 hospitalizations, which stood at only 107 patients on Friday, the lowest number since summer and before August surge of Delta variant cases. Also, probably due to uh, the monoclonal antibodies that the governor is making available for those that begin to have symptoms for COVID-19. Okoya County Sheriff's deputies captured a fugitive couple in the midst of a nationwide crime spree, stockpiling stolen items and stealing their victims' identities, the sheriff claims. You know that were, they were planning something, said Sheriff, sheriff Kevin Rambosk at a news conference yesterday. They went to great lengths to cover up what they were doing and have been able to learn law enforcement techniques to avoid getting caught. I won't go into the full story here. You can find it in the Naples Daily News, but it's pretty exciting. But also, I think it gives us an opportunity to thank the Sheriff's Office for the great job they do in law enforcement here in Cuyahoga County. I must admit, when I read stories of what's happening in St. Louis and other places where they don't have a good uh, uh, prosecuting attorney or they uh, have a a poor law enforcement, I'm just so grateful that we have what we have here in Cuyahoga County. Sheriff Rambosk and his team and his sheriff's officers do a terrific job. Well, Senate Republicans blocked a government spending and debt ceiling bill yesterday, setting up a dramatic showdown between Republicans and Democrats on whether Congress should raise the debt ceiling while Democrats plan to go on a spending spree of trillions on infrastructure and social spending. The Senate failed to invoke cloture, 48 to 50, and the continuing resolution, Senate uh, Republicans blocked the CR as uh, House Democrats remain poised to vote on the $3.5 trillion infrastructure bill. That's human infrastructure, social spending, government programs. Democrats, rather than put the, the debt ceiling increase at the $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill, decided they would pack the debt ceiling increase in the government funding bill. The Democrats' CR would lift the debt ceiling through the 2022 midterm elections and fund the government through December. The federal government would run out of funding on September the 30th, and the debt ceiling must be lifted in early October. Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, who voted no, said in a statement after the vote, Democrats are in control of the executive and legislative branches of government, as they demonstrated in past Passing massive spending bills on a purely partisan basis, they are fully capable of increasing the debt ceiling without Republican votes. I drafted a letter that 46 Republican senators signed in early August, giving Democrats fair warning they would not receive Republican help in raising the debt ceiling to accommodate their partisan deficit spending. Inflation is wiping out wage gains. Deficit spending is mortgaging our children's future. And the Democrats need to take responsibility and be held accountable adding trillions of dollars more to our national debt. Of course, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said that if the Republicans bought the CR, they will carry the blame. No, I don't think so, Chuck. That's not the way we feel out here. Senate Minority Leader Chuck, uh, Mitch McConnell 
said ahead of the vote that the Republicans would support a government funding bill as long as it does not raise the debt ceiling. Republicans are not rooting for a shutdown or a debt uh, limit breach, he said. So the answer to uh, Democrats, come on, help us out here, is no. Show us a plan. Show us how you're going to actually manage the government. You have all the power, so tell us how you're going to get us through this without increasing our debt $10 trillion in the next 10 years. President Biden's big legislative agenda will kill 3.5, excuse me, 5.3 million jobs and generate $4.5 trillion in debt, according to a Monday study by the Texas Public Policy Foundation. The study also suggests the United States' gross domestic product would be reduced by $3.7 trillion, nearly the cost of the massive $3.5 trillion reconciliation package. Biden's legislative agenda will additionally cost American families a combined $1.2 trillion in reduced income via tax increases to pay for costly packages, uh, the study reveals. The study also broke down the cost of Biden's social welfare spending by state, analyzing Texas, Arizona, and West Virginia. And of course, you can imagine it's going to cost lots of jobs in uh, all states across the country. For example, Texas will absorb more than both states combined. The Lone Star State will be saddled with $394 billion in cost and 467,000 lost jobs. Can you imagine that? Corporate tax rate will be up a quarter to 26.5% for the third highest combined rate of 30%, 30.9%. Marginal tax rates increase of 13 percentage points on some households. Capital gains tax rate will be up 25%. Marginal income tax rate on some small businesses raised by 24%. You can't make this stuff up. This is what they're trying to do to our country. So I just recommend, again, to uh, Republicans, stand fast. Don't give in. Don't increase the debt limit. Make them come up with a plan. And uh, also, they should drop this excessive spending in these programs. Uh, Right now, we just don't have the money. And by the way, President Joe Biden's approval ratings are continuing to suffer cratering to no low, new low as half of the likely voters strongly, half, strongly disapprove of his job performance. That according to Rasmussen's presidential tracking poll, the survey found Biden's approval tanking to 40% of those 21% strongly approve. This marks the first time it's fallen to 40% in the survey, although Biden has come close, reaching 42%. Overall, 58% disapprove of Biden's job performance, and of those, 50% strongly disapprove. This also appears to be the highest disapproval of any presidency in this particular poll. Biden's approval has continued to take a tumble since the botched withdrawal from Afghanistan and, of course, all the other things that are going on, you can imagine. And uh, now he's trying to pass this bill. He just doesn't have the political influence or currency to lead this nation right now. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to visit with our state senator, Kathleen and Pasadomo. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. 
I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabees Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabees Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabees Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, a proudly serving the board. One of the programs is creating policies to get people off welfare and back to work. Terrific organization. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us our state senator, Kathleen Pasadomo. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning. I understand uh, you've been spending some time in Tallahassee. Your first week of committee meetings has, uh, is over. Yeah, um, it, it, it seems it's early because, you know, it's still September, but we have uh, session starts early this uh, for uh, 2022. And um, instead of starting in March, we start right at the first week of January. So we had to start committees earlier. And you know, right now, uh, not a whole lot of bills have been filed. Um, you know, I've been reading them as they get filed and referencing committees. But what most of the committees are doing are having presentations from um, agencies about their budget uh, needs. And uh, I will say that for some reason, there's a lot more uh, requests for uh, for more dollars than ever before. I think a lot of people um, are over COVID and, and feel like with all this federal stimulus money that there's plenty of money and, and everybody wants raises, everybody wants um, more dollars to operate. So we'll have to see how that pans out. Uh, that's kind of interesting. Off air, you'd mentioned something about our insurance rates going up. Maybe you could expand on that a little bit for us. Yeah, we had a presentation uh, to the Insurance and Banking Committee by 
David Altmeyer, who's head of um, uh, uh, Florida Department of Insurance, and he he was expressed concerns, which we all are, that the number of policies being held by Citizens uh, Property Insurance, which is a state-owned insurance company that was set up during the uh, Charlie Chris gubernatorial days, and that's a bad sign because what that means is that uh, insurers are are beginning again to leave Florida. Mm. Uh, property insurers, and then a lot of people are relying on uh, being covered by citizens, which, as you know, is backed by the state of Florida. So if we have a catastrophe, all those policies start filing claims, uh, who ends up paying for it will be our taxpayers. That's a big problem. And uh, so yes. that, that means that, uh, so what's, what's the uh, legislative solution for something like this? Well, you know, there's a lot of uh, problems. Uh, we did last year, we, we, the biggest problem are claims. And we had, um, you know, you and I have talked about this before, that uh, the roof claims were just through the roof uh, for Irma damage, a lot of them bogus claims. We had, we had roofing contractors in league with lawyers calling people and saying, your neighbor got a new roof, I can get you a new roof, you won't have to pay for it, we'll make your insurance company pay. Mm. and they didn't really need the new roof. They may have needed some shingles repaired or whatever, um, and that's just out-and-out fraud. So we passed a bill last year trying to um, tamp down on that, but uh, that'll take a while to see where it goes, and, it, and the, uh, you know, in timing for stopping these lawsuits and, and uh, claims. But again, uh, the bill isn't perfect, uh, frankly, uh, I wanted to reduce the the time to file claims. You know, it's like two years. It seems to me that if you need a new roof because of hurricane damage or some kind of catastrophe, you'd know about it pretty quickly. I'm darn right. And <laughs> you know, so at the end of it was three years before. At the end of that, well, that period, all of a sudden there are hundreds and thousands of roof claims filed, hmm. and and uh, people were saying, "Well, if my neighbor got a new roof. I should get a new roof," and it's. So we have that kind of thing, um, uh, and, and the practice is bad. We had the same thing about 15 years ago with sinkholes. It's it's all about um, claims, and so, the rates, insurance rates, are based on claims. The rates going up because there are more and more claims. Florida is one of the states with the most number of uh, insurance claims. Well, it's, what you've described is out-and-out fraud, which is really a shame yeah. uh, that's driving up some of these rates. Is there any way for the state to get out of the insurance business, and I'm talking about citizens, and, and to make perhaps uh, our state more palatable for insurers to come in and want to insure our uh, citizens? Well, we, we made some great strides um, several years ago, and we, uh, we were reducing the number of uh, policies that citizens were carried, and, and as we were um, enticing the insurers to come back into the state, some of the, the big carriers that had uh, left the state. Uh, you know, everybody has a story about how their insurance company, you know, one of the biggies that everybody sees on TV advertising, uh, declined to renew their policies because yep. they were not that they were not going to stay in the state anymore, a lot of it due to the fraud and the number of claims. So we started working to reduce the number. I, You know, it's just like everything. As soon as you do a government, um, uh, it's almost a handout program because it's subsidy of uh, and policies uh, costs were less than the um, 
regular insurance companies. As soon as you do that, it's so hard to get rid of because uh, there were a lot of people around citizens. Yeah. And they can't get any insurance anywhere else, and they have to have insurance because they have mortgages to pay. Sure. So, you know, we we have to grapple with that, and 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 a lot of other budget uh, issues are coming up. Uh, the t- the uh, um, the pay the constitutional uh, pay raise that's going to come up next year, the fifteen dollars. That's going to cost uh, hundreds of millions of dollars. Hmm. Um, to state coffers because that means every state employee uh, gets a minimum wage of $15, and there are a lot of state employees that are not at that yet. I mean, you can argue the merits of whether that's good or bad and living, you know, a decent wage, but <coughs> that's not my call. Yeah, how, how, did, how did that happen? Is, is that a, yeah, it's a constitutional amendment? Constitutional amendment. It passed last Oh, my year. gosh. <laughs> what? That's, yeah, you probably voted against it. You, <laughs> you bet I did. <laughs> But, but you know, that the voters have spoken, and now we, uh, the consequence of that is um, hundreds of millions of dollars of, of state dollars that will have to go towards, um, it, you know, raises for people. Again, I, you know, I, I don't argue that people deserve uh, a decent wage. That's over and done with. My job now is to figure out how to pay for it yep. without raising taxes, which we will do. Um, because we're our uh, economy's roaring back, and that's helpful, of course. Well, hey, a little uh, kudos to the state legislature and the governor and everybody involved in this. But uh, I read that we have the lowest number of state employees uh, per hundred thousand of uh, residents of any state in the nation. Uh, so that, in other words, <laughs> our overhead was we're probably, but on comparison, pretty sleek and slim compared to most states. So I just really want to acknowledge you and others for that. That that is true, I mean, and we um, and we provide uh, quality service. It's not like uh, we I mean, we just do more with less, and that and that's been going on since the Rick Scott days of tightening belts. Uh, and but you know, it's like everything; it's starting to creep up a little bit. We just have to keep an eye on it. Uh, we want to make sure that we provide our citizens with the services that they need. Uh, make sure that our state is functioning and uh, the greatest state in the country to, as we always say, live, work, play, raise a family, and retire. Absolutely. Kathleen Pasademo, again, our state senator. Genuinely appreciate your taking your time to visit with us this morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Have a great day. You as well. Thank you, Kathleen. All right, coming up, Boo Mordson. We're going to find out what's new with Boo, that and more, right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. 
Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgoing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of 1st Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. It's a new, refreshing social networking platform. And you can download the app by just visiting the website, choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley. Right now, it's time to find out what's new with Boo. Boo Mortensen up in Madison, Wisconsin. Boo, how are you doing? Oh, I'm just doing well. It's just magnificent up here. I know it's beautiful there, but <laughs> it is fall up here. The trees are changing colors. There is no more magnificent time than the fall. I love the fall. I think when we lived in Washington, D.C. and Boston, I always enjoyed uh, up until the point where it got freezing. It was such such a beautiful time of year. Oh, it's just glorious. And we've had just magnificent weather. Um, in fact, if you watch the Ryder Cup, which was in Wisconsin, it's yes. about two hours from us, maybe a little less, uh, you just saw how beautiful the weather was, and wasn't that an exciting golf tournament? That was so much fun to watch, and literally, I you know, three days of golf, that's a lot of golf to watch, but quite frankly, I was just riveted by everything that was going on to seeing the quality of play. The course was so difficult, my goodness, it just absolutely perfect for match play, so uh, we just really enjoyed watching the tournament. Did you watch it? Oh my God, we never left our house. I mean, we, we just hunkered down and watched it, and you know what I love? I'll give you a little uh, bit of history. In the 1950s, that whole area where Whistling Straits is today, mm. in the 1950s, it was an a anti-aircraft training grounds. Really? It was flat as a board. Wow. And then Herb Kohler bought it, and I don't know if you've ever been to Kohler, Wisconsin, but oh my goodness, it's... It's just magnificent. Nope. So he developed Whistling Straight. So the long and the short of it is it took a lot of creativity and a whole lot of money. Yeah. And they created what you watched on TV. And I have to tell you, I loved it. I loved hearing the crowd shout, USA. I loved hearing that. I loved the unity 
they stood behind the American team. Of course they would, but they were also very gracious to the Europeans. It just, you know, we've read so much negative stuff in the news, and everybody is pitted against everybody else in kind of a scary way. And to see everybody in harmony and enthusiasm and love for America, I just, it was euphoric for me. It was indeed, and, and to see the quality of play, I mean, uh, I think that's a Pete Dye course, if I'm not mistaken, because I yes. saw all the, mm-hmm. the railroad ties, and to see how the pin placements were like, oh, <laughs> oh my gosh, like 10 feet away from a precipice that could, you could fell down, you'd probably kill yourself, but they just, oh. pl- they and, and they from 190 yards, they're going for the pin, it was just incredible to watch. It was amazing, and and the the course so difficult that you actually got to see, especially Sophia, who seemed to have been in almost every sand trap there was. Right, you got to see the players in trouble. They were in streams. They were hitting off a cliff. Right, they were in bunkers that were like mine shafts. <laughs> yeah. it, it, to see how they got out of it. It was because you know when we golf, we're always in trouble. Yeah. You know, we we don't keep the ball in the fairway all the time. So you know, it's kind of boring when you see the pro golfers. You know, it's just one perfect shot after the other. And this time, boy, I'll tell you, they were challenged, and it was just such fun to see how they got out of it. And and then again, the enthusiasm and the 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 camaraderie between the Europeans and the Americans. Yeah. I love seeing that. Well, and the camaraderie among the Americans. I mean, that not as all yeah. well with regard to the feelings among some of those folks. And, that, boy, they just, well, to see uh, DeChambeau give a big hug to... Uh, uh, Brooks. Brooks at Kepka. I think that was kind of kind of nice. So it was, you know, I think, I think it was just a great... Ex- I think it was good for America, quite frankly. That's what I'm saying, is that... It was so positive, and it showed. It just showed America in the best that we can be, and I, I just thought it was so uplifting. I just, I had such a big smile on my face at the end of the day, and yep. and isn't <clears throat> Steve Stricker a wonderful man? He is indeed, and he sele- he went on a, he took some risks. He he took all these rookies, golfers, young Morikawa, you know, twenty four years of age, put him on the Ryder Cup. And, uh, you know, this, you could see that the Europeans were aging, whereas the half of the team for the Americans, was they were new, maybe their first Ryder Cup, and they yeah, just... Yeah, young. And by the way, just to acknowledge the Americans, they set a record for the Ryder Cup in terms of the winning points with 19 points. That was just fabulous. Yeah, and you know, they'll be around. You'll see them again on other Ryder Cups. I thought that was interesting. <laughs> You know, Steve Stricker is from Madison. Well, he went to school in Edgerton, but he lives in Madison. <clears throat> and many years ago, when I was doing Amanda the Panda, when I was working with um, kids that were critically and terminally ill, I had a number of young boys that said, oh, I just love golf. I, you know, that's what I want to do. I want to become a golfer. And I called Steve up and said, hey, would you take this this uh, 13-year-old boy and just play just, you know, walk around a course with him for a little while. He said, you bet. Wow. And no, no fanfare, no working with his agent, no nothing. He bought him a hat that he had signed. And 
balls, and, and uh, I walked around with him, and he played nine holes with this kid. No kidding. That is just heartwarming to hear something like that. I mean, most of these guys, I shouldn't say most of them, I don't know this, but I know that they're all, in many cases, won't even do something like or consider something like that. And uh, Steve's a pretty special guy. He was amazing. He says, I, he's, <laughs> you're trying to make me cry <laughs> when he was on the stage. That was, he's just yeah. a pretty special guy. Yeah, he's pretty emotional, and he even I even asked him a couple times to go up to um, Children's Hospital to say hi to kids, only if they were into golf, you know, if they yeah. really could appreciate who Steve was and, yeah. and uh, you know, understood what was going on. So a couple of times I asked him if he'd go up to the hospital, and again, no talking to my agent, no cameras, no publicity, he just said, yep, yeah, sure, you bet. Isn't that cool? Well, I must say, and boo, that speaks volumes about you. I don't even know about this chapter in your life of Amanda the Panda. So that's sometime we'll have to talk about that. That sounds pretty darn cool. But I will point out yeah. to our listeners that uh, Boo Mortensen, while a weekly guest, uh, she may not realize she's jumped out of airplanes. She's done skydiving. She's climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, maybe one of the most <laughs> uh, risk-prone people I've ever met in my life, a real daredevil. <laughs> so, Boo, it's just a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you, Boo. Have a great day. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Modley, the founder and president of Less Government. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. You suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees. I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months, finally having exhausted all alternatives for pain management. Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence, serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. 
Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater. At its very best, you can get tickets now. Just go to the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Linda Harden, my wife. She writes greetings from paradise. Right now we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Greetings from the swamp. Yeah. <laughs> Seton, hey, Seton, tell us about Less Government. Yeah, we just introduced this high scope and sphere of influence to government, and as you can see, no one in D.C. does. Yeah, I know, but uh, listen, we you're doing great work, Seton, and we really appreciate it. So uh, you wrote a column, Fake Infrastructure Week. Boy, is it. We really need to beat China in 5G wireless. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, we have some serious infrastructure issues, almost none of which are being discussed. Yeah. Um, we're talking about trillions of dollars of spending on nonsense, on ridiculous nonsense. Even roads are nonsense. Ninety-five percent of the roads and bridges in the United States are either state or local government-owned right. or private-owned. Right. There are no federal roads for, for all intents and purposes. And so we're going to spend $1.2 trillion on five percent of the roads. No, we're going to hand a bunch of money to state and local governments, most of whom are left-wing Democrat governments. Right. Um, and private companies with lobbying that own roads that are, have huge lobby shops to get handed tons of money for roads they're supposed to maintain because they're private roads. And how about all union jobs? <laughs> right, right. And again, the, 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 the very, the, the full circle in an, in an uh, elevator, sha- elevator car, uh, the, the return on investment of, you know, hey, Democrats get paid, unions get paid by the government, and then they fund Democrats, and then Democrats pay them with government money, and then they fund Democrats, yeah. And round and round we go. Right. So all of this is absurd. Uh, and then the human infrastructure is just idiotic. I mean, it, human infrastructure. What, are you going to build a on-ramp to your liver? I mean, this is just stupid. Yeah. We're not discussing stuff that the government should actually be doing. And not only should they be uh, and I would argue the only reason they should be doing it is because they screwed up the thing in the first place. Um, we don't have semiconductor production to any great degree in this state. I mean, in this country. Uh, I just watching C-SPAN, or C- C-SPAN, CNBC this morning. They're freaking out. There's, there's no. We're running out of microchips, and 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 we, we, you know, all these stocks are going down because they all everything relies on microchips. Right. Seventy-five percent are made in Asia. Most of them are made in China. China's buying. The, the machinery to, ma- ma- to fabricate them from the other Asian countries that make them. So they're consolidating in China, the manufacture of chips. Um, we, we've screwed that up in the same way we screwed up all manufacturing in the United States. We taxed and regulated them to death and then cut stupid trade policies once they left. Hey, so, so good news on that front, though. Uh, Intel is building a couple of plants in Arizona. Yes. and uh, well, We need that times 50. Yeah, that's exactly right. But the, the point being is that... No, Intel's, Intel's a great company, and they're one of the few non-leftist companies in, in computers and technology. Right. Um, and so they see, the, they see the hole, and they're trying to fill it. But they're not, you know, they're, I think they're, mar- last time I looked was a couple months ago, their market cap's less than $400 billion. I mean, if, if Google wanted to help things, they're worth, you know, $1.4 trillion. 
How about building some, you know, get into the fabrication business, the chip fabrication business. So government, I would, you know, I think you and I discussed this before months ago. Um, I wouldn't, because government screwed it up, I wouldn't mind some government pump priming money to get uh, chip manufacturing restarted here in the United States. Right. I have no problem with that. Right. Partially because it's a national security issue. Right. And the government's supposed to be in the national security business. But it's all kinds of things. I mean, it's everything having to do with 5G. 5G is going to be a huge impact on the economy. I mean, it's going to be four or five or six times bigger a leap from 4 to 5G. And it, for people who don't know, it's, it's, it's 5G, fifth generation wireless technology. It's your cell phones. But 5G gets us the Internet of Things where everything's talking to everything. And here's a bonus for the leftist idiots. 5G is great for the environment. Because all your appliances, all your electrical grids, all your supply chains become smart. Huh. And they know instantaneously, hey, we can turn down here, you know, turn down the thermostat here, we can, we can uh, adjust our fuel allocation there. Um, it becomes much more timely response ah. to needs. So when the need ebbs, you, you instantaneously start using less energy to, because you don't need it. Yeah, that sounds so great. So it's going to be huge. It's going to be huge for the economy, and it's going to be huge for the environment because everything's going to run better. Um, unfortunately, I sold the house, but the house in Maryland, I put in a 10-gauge smart, 10-speed 10, uh, 10 smart um, HVAC unit because um, we, need, we need heat and air conditioning up in Maryland, right. and it had 10 speeds rather than what you probably have, which is two. So what it would do is it would find the 10, you know, like a 10-speed bike. It would find the gear it needed uh. and, and, and switch to that power. Say It was very energy efficient. It was expensive as heck, but it was very energy efficient. That's what everything's going to be on the, on the 5G Internet of Things. Well, government keeps being an impediment to... Um, placement of towers. They, the, the, the 4G needed big, giant towers. These are little pizza boxes. Now, you need a lot more pizza boxes. Yeah. They're like pizza box size. You need a lot more of them to do 5G, but it's not like you're sighting a 40-foot tower or a 50-foot tower. Right. They're still charging 50-foot tower fees per pizza box. Really? The local governments. Huh. It's absurd. Um, and then federally... We've got the spectrum that they use, the wireless spectrum that they use, is a finite resource. There's only so much of it, and it's kind of like a monopoly board. Not all spectrum is equally useful. Right. Some of it's boardwalk and park place. Some of it's Baltic and Mediterranean avenues. Mm-hmm. The government owns, like, over 60% of the spectrum, and a lot of it's re- the really good stuff. Well, they've got to start clearing it off and selling it. They're not giving it away. They're selling it and making money. To the, to the wireless companies, to, to make 5G. And, and, you know, every time you get pissed because your 5G is not working the way you want it to, get mad at government because we need more spectrum for it, and they're sitting on it. Mm-hmm. So there's all kinds of infrastructure things that the government should be doing, and all the stuff we just discussed, how much of it is being con- considered in these, five tr- these 
four trillion dollars in spending. Uh, let me guess, like none. None. <laughs> Literally, I, I think none. I, I think zero dollars yeah. is being dedicated to any of this. Now, is this more important than you know increasing the you know buying twelve billion dollars worth of electric vehicles for the frickin' post office? Nice. I would argue that it is. Yes, yeah. it is absolutely. Just amazing, Seaton. And uh, now, when is five G going to raise its head here and be operating? Well, this? you get it in spots. You know, again, this is a matter of they have to go out and cite millions of these pizza boxes. Uh, you know, if you're in a very dense populated area with lots of people trying to get on, you need a lot of pizza boxes. Yeah, because you know they're they're little antennas. Um, but the point is, you're trying to create a little like a spider web in that area. And that requires, you know, you've seen a spider web, it, it connects to itself at lots of different points, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, that's what they've got to do with these pizza box signals, is they've got to create that web, that cone around you, to allow all that data to, 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 to move. And, and you have to get cited. And again, local governments are... Look at this as a giant cash cow. Uh, hey, we can charge them a per site fee like we used to. Wow. Well, they used to put up one giant tower and pay a ton of money and get ripped off by the government, but then they'd move to the next town because you only need one tower in that town. Wow. Well, they're charging the same, same fee or just a little less for these little tiny pizza boxes that take like a two-man crew two hours to put up. Unbelievable. And then they move on to the next tower. But they're, they look at this as like a giant ATM out of our back pockets, and, of course, we need to address that. Absolutely. Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. I encourage you to visit the website, lessgovernment.org. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, Linda Harden. She writes, greetings from paradise. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. The dining scene in Naples is among the nation's finest. Get a first-hand experience with Naples Culinary Walks. Join a guided food walk with a terrific guide in a small group through elegant Naples neighborhoods known for destination restaurants. In three hours, you'll stop for small plates on your chosen tour. Dining walk choices include morning, afternoon, and evening offerings on 5th Avenue South, Downtown 3rd Street, Waterside, Galleria Shops at Vanderbilt, and more. Prices begin at only $46 a person, depending on the tour you select. To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC 
goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Linda Harden. That's right, she's got the same last name because she's my lovely and thoughtful <laughs> wife. She's also the author of a very popular newsletter that she sends out. It's called Greetings from Paradise. Linda, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Lots to talk about, Yes, there, Yes, there is indeed. Hey, did you see Trump's rally on Saturday? Well, you know we watched it. Yeah, I know you watched it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a transition oh, question. Gotcha. <laughs> it was great. What's wrong with the Trump rally? And I can't wait for the next one in Iowa, which is, I think, it's the first week of October. Yeah. So he's just great. You know what? It's just so... Refreshing. Well, it's refreshing, but it's invigorating, and it gives you hope to watch... All these these thousands and thousands of people that wait for hours and hours to come and see this man who is quote unquote not long, no longer president, but you know what he's he's just great and he hit on all the talking points that are necessary uh, he, that are he, that are that are at the front, uh, forefront of what, on people's minds. Yeah, I mean uh, to to use a phrase, uh, he ripped Biden a new one. <laughs> <laughs> he just absolutely well. Blew. He ripped everyone a new one. Um, the, the this Afghanistan deal, this Miley guy, um, Austin, all these people who are going to be on Capitol Hill today answering some, I'm sure, very tough questions. So talk about that a little bit because uh, that uh, they're going to be on Capitol Hill. What do you think is going to happen? I hope to heck they're going to grill these guys and and uh, demonstrate how foolish and incompetent they are. Well, you know what's you know what I'm anxious to see. I. I'm not sure who's on the Armed Services Committee or, or who's going to be asking the questions on the right, but it, to me it's going to be really interesting mm -hmm. to see how the left try to make it cushy for these people who committed horrible atrocities. Right. Uh, this Miley who gave the order to, to close Bagram Air Base to, um, and see if they can implicate Joe Biden, if Joe Biden really gave the order and all that stuff. And, and plus this McKenzie guy who... Oh yeah, whoops! We hit the wrong target and killed a whole family, including seven yeah. children, in a drone strike. You know, uh, that Biden says that uh, the Trump left no plan. He left a plan. He had a plan in place in order to uh, uh, to exit Afghanistan. It did not include giving up Bagram, Bagram uh, Air Force Base. It, he it it was very complete, very thorough. All he had to do was to follow the plan, and he, it would have worked out perfectly. Unfortunately, Biden screwed it up. Well, it's just, you know, it it shows that the Biden administration is just, to use a word we use often, feckless. Yeah. They All they can do is blame Trump for everything. When everybody is, people are waking up just and saying, you know what, is that all you've got? Mm -hmm. Is that really all you've got? It's just, it's just... Well, I mean, uh, he's simply gone into the office and he's decided to reverse every policy that Trump put in place. And that was a big mistake because the policies that put in place 
are absolutely working, and they're helping Americans in every way. And now, this what's looming now, right now, is this three point five trillion dollar quote unquote human infrastructure bill. And, and we've got that. We've got the Democrats just eating each other up, um, fighting amongst themselves about it. They're just. They just. It's. It's like little black Sambo. That that story my mother always used to uh, read to me, where the tigers would all get in a circle and go round and round and round and until turn they into all butter. turned into butter. Yeah. And that's what the Democrats are doing right now. Well, from your lips to God's ear, I hope it turns out that way. Nancy Pelosi, I don't care for her much, but she's pretty shrewd, and she's been around a long while. So if anybody can pull the uh, pull those folks together, I guess she's the one that could do it. But well, I hope she fails. Let me just say this about that. Um, you and I watch uh, Steve Bannon as, as often as we possibly can. Right. And he's got the, the Bannon posse on board calling senators and congressmen about this infrastructure uh, bill. And what's the other one? Well, it's the uh, infrastructure bill and the, well, it's the human infrastructure bill. They're both infrastructure bills. Okay. But, but he's saying, call your, your senators and congressmen and say, no, yeah. no, no. And if, you, and if you vote for it, we're not going to vote for you. Your job is over. Yeah. And and it's so cool to watch the um reaction of of these these congress people because guess what the posse's getting to them. Yeah. They're just they're just blowing up the phone lines, blowing up the internet lines, contacting these people and saying, "You've had it." By the way, there was a there was a a poll um yesterday Jack Persobic uh revealed it on Bannon's show about these bills that are coming up. 68% of people polled want no part of this. 68%. Right. Well, uh, by the way, it's, it's, you brought up a good point. I think everybody should write to their senator or congressman and let them know your feelings about the infrastructure bills and in raising the debt ceiling. This is just unconscionable. And quite frankly, if the debt ceiling is increased uh, unlimited to through 2022, uh, we won't have a country after this because of the debt that we'll incur and uh, our inability to make decisions going forward financially. We will be strapped, and uh, some people say, well, if you close the government down, it'll ruin our credit. I'd rather that than to have this die the slow death of a, of a, having so much debt that we can't manage the country. Well, the, de- the Democrats and Joe Biden are lying about all that, too, because, because um, if you shut, shut the government down, they're saying, oh, and nobody's going to get their Social Security checks. Nobody's this. Nobody's that. No, that's not what's going to happen. Um, What's going to happen, like I said to you before we started off air, um, all these non-essential workers are going to be laid off, which brings me to the question that we bring up so often. If right. they're non-essential, why are they there in the first place? Exactly. Well, there's so many non-essential workers in federal in the bureaucracy. It's just incredible. And I, quite frankly, think what, what's, if they close down the government, and here, here's the interesting thing, of course, they're going to be non-essential but they're going to get their paychecks after the government is after they've uh, passed the debt ceiling and, and increased and got the the government back in business. They'll get their paychecks back pay because uh, that's just how it works. It's unfortunate. Here's the deal: if the Democrats' lips are moving, they're lying. Yeah, that's, that's right. And if Joe Biden's lips are moving, he's lying. He's lying. And and oh, you oh, know what he said? He said there's it's not going to cost three point five trillion dollars. It's free. It's free. It's gonna. It's not going to cost us anything because we got it covered. Which is just a total. It's going to cost a trillion dollars a year, if at least that. And uh, he's lying. He's just out. I don't know how he he can 
it's unconscionable that he could do that. Well, it's it's not unconscionable because um, uh, he is being uh, sheltered mm-hmm. in the White House from any pushback. I mean, he just goes and and talks, and nobody. He's guess what? He's now even complaining about the press, how unfair the press is. It is just talk about unconscionable. Nobody gets to ask him a question, and he's complaining about the media and the press. You know, when President Trump was president, I mean, he would meet with the press all the time. He had no compunctions about answering their questions. He'd do it in front of the helicopter. He'd do it every day about this uh, coronavirus nonsense. He was just absolutely terrific. Uh, I mean, the the question is, do you miss me now? Absolutely, we miss President Donald Trump. Some people I know think, well, he's unelectable, people don't like him. You know what, people people like that um, just don't have a clue Mm -hmm. about what's really going on. Bottom line, they don't have a clue. It doesn't matter, um, what what would you rather have, a feckless, inept uh, old man uh, who, who can barely put a sentence together and cannot get anything done, and is putting our our thank God he can't uh, get anything done. Our, our country <laughs> in into the worst shape it's ever been in, or a uh, a man who could give a rip about what anybody else says and gets the job done. That's exactly right. Well, his intentions are to be supportive of the American people to get the economy, make America great again. That's his intention. And uh, that's not what the intention of uh, this build back better nonsense, whatever. His, his intention is to make us a socialist state, to open the borders, let everybody in. Uh, By the way, build back better is not just Biden's. It's a whole global thing. All of the, all of the European, uh, Pierre Trudeau, all of those people are, are, are chanting the same build back better thing. It's all the globalist, globalist yeah. thing. By the way, before you go, uh, um, it was so funny to listen to Boris Epstein yesterday about, about Trump and, and how he... Um, goes and, and meets the press whenever he said he'd go over to the to the uh, press pool, the White House press pool, and answer as many questions as they threw at him. Meanwhile, the helicopter's going and running out of gas in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was just that's exactly what he did. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we miss Donald Trump, and uh, maybe the next time he's president, people will appreciate what he does because uh, I, enough of, a little of Biden goes a long 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 way. You know what? Um, it's really interesting to to hear Trump to go back to the rally real quick. Um, he said, "If if we wait till twenty twenty four, we won't have a country." Yeah, which makes me think, what has he got in mind? Yeah, Linda, I just genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome. All right. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to visit with Bob Levy, the chairman of the Cato Institute. We'll visit with Andrew Joppa, professor and author author of Josephus of Oz, and Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture, and author of many books. His latest is What Makes Humans Truly Exceptional. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobhardenhotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>